You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Clay Travis joins us in 20 minutes. Glad you're with us for OutKick 360. And just like that, the final hour just is here. Just like that. Almost made it. Rolling through. We've got uh, some headlines involving Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones, and more. And there has been a string of incidents now with Ja Morant, one of the brightest stars in the NBA. Top-selling jersey, shoe deal. Everything's going for him. And everything off the court signals trouble and the Washington Post with the story today last summer in an encounter that has not been previously reported the head of security at a Memphis mall told police that Morant quote threatened him during an altercation in the parking lot he was alarmed enough to file a police report a member of Morant's group shoved the director in the head this is all what the the director of security told police no arrests were made records indicate Nothing was filed beyond that. Four days after that, Morant repeatedly punched a teenage boy in the head during a pickup basketball game at Morant's house. This is coming from the victim, the teenage boy, telling this to police. Morant and his friend struck the 17-year-old so hard they knocked him to the ground and left him with a large knot on the side of his head, according to the police report narrative written by deputies who said they observed the, the injuries. And... There, I mean, you're seeing this. There are other reports of a of civil suit that's popped back up where the kid, and I don't know if he's 18 now or not, the teenage boy at 17 at the time, and his mom have filed a suit against Morant. And Chad, this is just, you know, th- this is turning into just another day in the life and saga of John Morant. I mean, look, you know, fool me once. Right, and fool me twice, and now fool me three, fool me four times. He's got the very public incident where they've got the 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 laser pointer on Indiana Pacers players with his entourage, where they thought they were having a gun pointed at him uh, after an altercation during a game. Eventually, you are who you hang out with all the time, right? So John Morant might be a, a great guy, whatever, but we're getting more and more evidence that he now is his entourage. His dad, whoever else he's keeping around him, and this entourage is bringing him way down. Now, the incident with the pickup game at his house, that, that's old news, but there's a little bit more detail involved in this report, one of which is that the, the 17-year-old kid who was punched, now Morant told the police officers when you know, discussing this case that I threw the, I swung first, but he threw a basketball at me, so I considered that the first punch. But then he swung on him. He didn't deny doing that. Now, this is where it gets a little bit hairy. The 17-year-old said that Morant then went into his house, came out with a gun tucked in his shorts, and was showing him the gun. Flashed it to him. And then detectives, when they were talking to Morant, brought that part of the story up, but did not ask Morant if it were true. They did not ask him a question about it. That's disturbing. The Pacers story, disturbing. The thing with the mall cop is just silly. 
just dumb. I, I can't come up with any defense of Morant or his crew. His mom got into an altercation with someone at a shoe store in the mall and called Morant, who shows up with nine dudes, to the mall. He's asked to leave. They're in the parking lot. He's getting into it with a security guard, and someone in Morant's posse pie-faces the guy and shoves him in the head. And then Morant says, I want to know when you get off work and said it in a way that was threatening, like, I'm going to kill you whenever you get off work. So that guy wanted to call the cops on it because he, he saw it as a threat. This is bad news, man. I mean, this is this is bad stuff. This well, is then, no longer just oh well. The first one I heard from you know friends of mine in Memphis that would say the kid is a problem. The seventeen year old kid is a known problem. Him and his family had to get out of town after that. So that one's not on Morant. Okay, you can explain one of these things away, right? And but all you of them. may be right in saying that. But when you pile these things one after the other, and I know it's easier said than done to distance yourself, especially from family when it's his dad involved in some of this or your, your buddies from school or whatever, he's got to do some of that. If he wants to turn this around, he has got to distance himself from the crew he's hanging with. If he doesn't, it's only going to be something more severe eventually well, that he's going to be involved in. And then the deal with the Pacers, that the NBA says they investigated that and that they're, they did not corroborate any individual threatened others with a weapon from the allegations that stem from the Grizzlies-Pacers game. Uh, the incidents involving players and law enforcement, um, they take the allegations of inappropriate conduct seriously. But then, so that, that all happens, and then you have further details of all this, and you have his agent, Jim Tanner, who says that the, the recent allegations are unsubstantiated rumors and gossip, and that they were put out by people motivated to tear Jaw down and tarnish his reputation for their own financial gain. And the Washington Post has in here the details that the boy and his mother filed a lawsuit against Moran over the incident. And the existence of the suit, which is under seal, was reported earlier this year through TMZ. The details also include with the basketball being thrown at him and then the teenager coming up to him as if he wanted to fight. You know, in a, in a threatening posture, I guess. Well, but, why is a teenager at your house playing a pickup game that fights you? I mean... I mean, I'm just, look, I'm thinking big picture here. If I'm John Morant's agent... Or I'm an advisor to him. I'm thinking, dude, you are an NBA superstar making millions. Don't let some 17-year-old kid into your house that might throw a basketball at your head. If you're going to play pickup and you're John Morant in the offseason, guys play pickup all the time. That's fine. If you're going to get a run in, you can do it in your home court. That's cool. But do it with people that you trust and know. Don't bring in some 17-year-old kid capable of starting a fight with you that you end up punching that you're allegedly flashing a gun to. I mean, what are we doing here? Like, if you're going to do that, you better make sure it's people you know and trust that aren't going to undercut you, that aren't going to get into a fight, that aren't going to take things personally, that have your best interest in mind. Maybe it's mutually assured destruction. Maybe it's other players in the team. It, whoever it is, get people in you trust. It's just odd to me that you brought in a 17-year-old kid to your home, played him in a pickup game, and it ends in you punching him repeatedly. And um, reportedly flashing a gun at him. Yeah, well, and then in the in the actual report, through you have the detective who's quoting the teenager, uh, saying that he came outside with his gun. It was tucked into his pants. Uh, he never he, he he didn't pull it out, but the boy said he saw Morant put it put his hand on it. And then th the quote to police in this report says, "quote His dad was yelling at him like, no, 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 go back, go back in the house, yelling that to Morant." 
again, this is happening right in front of us, and I don't see anyone stepping in to do anything about it. No. Or trying to. No. Trying to intervene. And you got his agent, you know, oh, it's these unsubstantiated reports and these people that are trying to bring him down. And there's got to be someone. Here's the biggest problem that I see with all this. One, the whole thing that I brought up about, you know, know who you have in your house playing pickup basketball with you to where things like this don't happen. That's just really dumb to me. He's not at the Melrose Y playing a pickup yeah, but, game and gets into but, a fight with someone that he doesn't know. I don't get the sense that it's the visitors or whoever they are that are the issue. No, no, wherever no. Wherever no, Morant no, goes, all, there's but, something going but this, on. To me, this also hints at a bigger judgment issue sure. with him. Yeah, I'm saying this all stems from the same thing. What are you doing bringing people in your house? Again, a knowledgeable advisor to John Morant would say, you can't just bring anyone into your home for pickup and this stuff happens. It needs to be someone you trust. Also, don't get hurt playing pickup or get into a fight playing pickup. You're John Morant. You're not the guy tried to hold on to his high school hopes and dreams playing John Morant in a pickup game. I mean, give me a break. The biggest problem is the guy who should be in his ear giving him some knowledge is his dad, and his dad is too busy fighting Shannon Sharp courtside. That's a problem. Yeah, and two, His dad is the issue. And two weeks after the, the, the fight that took place on this basketball court at his house, um, Morant and his family filed a police report about how that teenager – allegedly said he would, quote, come back and light the place up like fireworks. Um, again, storyline after storyline. Incident after incident. And, and it's not all jaw, but it, it's involved with his group. And all I see are quotes about unsubstantiated rumor and gossip or, hey, we looked into this and there's nothing to actually corroborate that there was a weapon present. Yeah. And the question is, is is anyone uh, going to step in and and try to do something about it? Or or, even if he's not willing to listen, I just don't see anything publicly stating that the league, the team, or anyone is doing anything about it instead of just reporting the next incident that's going to come up. Is the word crew now considered racist? Crew? I I literally just tweeted a link to the show, and I said, John Morant needs to distance himself from his crew. And someone responded and put crew in quotations. And I just looked it up. The definition of crew is a group of people working closely together. And I said, yeah, crew. Here's the Webster's definition of it. Yeah. But whoever sent this back is insinuating that I guess that because I'm saying crew, that's now a racist term. I mean, it, we need that's like exactly a, how to describe We need a, a, a thesaurus. You know, of sorts to put out there to make sure that we don't use you any words that have been used or... for years in the English language that now somehow has been adopted as some sort of racist rhetoric or language. Uh, I'm sorry, but crew is not racist. And I'll repeat John Morant needs to separate from his crew. Yes. He brought nine dudes to a damn footlocker to fight some manager. It's not what you want to be hanging out with. Some guy pie faced a mock, pie faced Paul Blart. At the mall, in the parking lot. You're John Morant. You're a millionaire. Like, can someone go and slap this kid and say, stop it. The world is yours. The city of Memphis is yours. Stop bringing 17-year-olds into your house that's threatening to shoot the place up that you're forced to punch after they throw a basketball in your face. Stop pointing lasers at the Indiana Pacers basketball team with your crew. Get your dad out of jawing matches with Shannon Sharp. And start playing basketball and eliminate everything else. That's what's in the best interest of his crew and family, too. You want this guy to be your... your He's your, insulated by them. Your meal ticket forever? 
Let him continue to make contracts that make you generational wealth and continue to pay all of your bills, which I'm sure he's doing. Because they all, again, work closely together according to the Webster's definition of the word crew. I'm sure they all have some sort of job. It's like he's got his own turtle, you know, from Entourage <laughs> back in the day. I'm sure someone drives him. Someone picks up his laundry. You know, he's got someone for every possible job. Get rid of Someone's the guy who goes to Foot Locker, you and know, to fight the, the manager. Yeah. Yeah, they all have their roles. I'm saying eliminate those roles. Separate from these guys. You That's the next step. You mentioned Shannon Sharp. Uh, Brandon Marshall was on Shannon Sharp's podcast recently, and and did he break some news by congratulating Aaron Rodgers on retirement? So I want to be the first to say salute to Aaron Rodgers for a phenomenal career. You're one of the greatest. You, person, me personally, you're my favorite quarterback ever. Favorite, Aaron Rodgers. Congratulations on a phenomenal career. You won a Super Bowl. Hell, I didn't, I've never even made it to the playoffs. You should be proud, bro. Your name and your team, that team, forever sketched in the history of the NFL. Your kids, 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 kids is going to be able to see that. You won back-to-back MVPs. I think you won three MVPs. You're phenomenal. It's okay to walk away, bro. There's nothing else left to prove. Go travel the world. Go explore. Go build your family. There's Brandon Marshall. And so he's filming something. Speaking of Rogers, he's filming something. Many thought he was going to be on with McAfee yesterday. That was not the case. But he did go on a podcast um, that's circulating today, the Aubrey Marcus podcast released earlier. And he says he promises it's not going to be uh, a decision that's going to take much longer for him to decide. The quote from Rogers in response to uh, the discussion from the Combine from Gutenkus to anyone, quote, it's best for anybody who has an interest to make a decision sooner rather than later. He says, you know, the, the team says they feel good about conversations. Rogers says, I feel good about the conversations that are going to be had and have been had with the important people in my life, yourself included, that helped orient me. But I'm not looking for somebody to tell me what the answer is. All the answers are right inside me. And I've touched on many of them, and definitely the feelings on both sides during the darkness, and I'm thankful for that time. <laughs> during the darkness. All the answers are inside me. <laughs> he says, there's a finality to the I decision, and I don't make I, it lightly. I think... I think if John Morant's ever questioned about anything ever again, he should respond with, all the answers are inside me. <laughs> what a great... I, if I'm questioned about anything, that's my response. Not pleading the fifth, just all the answers are inside me. Excuse me, Mr. Withrow, what are you saying? You did it? No, I'm saying all the answers so, are inside me. That's what Aaron Rodgers is saying. Do you think Brandon Marshall on his podcast there is breaking news? No. He's recording something in advance of whatever? I think Brandon Marshall uh, read a fake Twitter account. Ah, or got something in a text that he just took his gospel truth and ran with it and just posted it, and now is kind of probably sitting back hoping that it it comes true, that he retires. Maybe look, maybe he did hear from someone that he knows would know, and he ran with it, and he's the one to break the news. Now, if it comes out in relative short <laughs> order that uh, Rogers is in fact retiring. I will credit Brandon Marshall with breaking that story. Like Schefter breaking the Brady. Right. Now, if it, if it doesn't happen or it takes a long time, 
I will fall back on he read a fake Twitter account or saw something and then he clicked play on his home setup and started recording that video for Aaron Rodgers and it got leaked. Maybe it's like um, you know the New York Times or big newspapers will write obituaries in advance of everybody, like almost every big celebrity. They'll have obituaries and update them once they get to be a certain age. Maybe Brandon Marshall just did this this offseason and accidentally hit send on it, <laughs> that he does this for everyone who might retire. You know, he had one for J.J. Watt ready to go also. He's got one for other guys, veterans, when they retire. So Maybe. he has a the, – the video also had strong Stuart Smalley vibes to it from SNL where he's just, you're great. You're, you know, you're smart. You're good enough. You're smart enough. It felt like a motivational speech to Aaron Rodgers, telling him it's okay to retire. Yeah, More I mean, so than congratulating is, him on a good career. There are actually three decisions. It's either he stays, he's traded, or he retires. And maybe what the but Packers... But ultimately, were, those answers are inside him. Right, yeah. We know that now, too. Yes. All of them. Yeah, but maybe that's what the organization was saying. We need him all in if he's back. Maybe they're saying, like, decide if you want to play or not, not play for us or not. Who knows? But he, in regards to the drama of the offseason, we've had now multiple of these with Rodgers. He did say, if you don't like it, if you think it's drama, you think I'm being a diva or whatever, just tune it out. That's fine. But this is my <laughs> life. It's important to me, and I'll make a decision soon enough. And then we'll go down that road and be really excited about it. I can't help but love the guy. <laughs> I really can't. I mean, all these statements, it's just impossible for me not to like this guy. I want guy this guy in New York now. And what he says. Oh, New York's perfect. <laughs> I want to prove him wrong also. All the people, oh, he can't handle the New York media. Give me a break. I'd love that. Also, I want Omaha Productions and Peyton Manning to license the docu-series Inside Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> That's just an in-depth look at the isolation retreat, all of the things this offseason. Uh, I want a 10-part Last Dance style <laughs> documentary of just Aaron Rodgers not playing football. That's what I want. Inside Aaron Rodgers, nothing about the game. Just Aaron Rodgers on vacations in Hawaii, in isolation retreats, prepping for the Pat McAfee show. <laughs> That's what I want to see. Peyton Manning, Omaha Productions, please, please make this happen. Clay Travis is about to join us, and we will get into two separate incidents that took place on the same day uh, involving SEC storylines. On January 15th, of course, uh, Jalen Carter, he has been um, uh, arrest warrants issued, and he's not in Indianapolis. They're on their way back to Athens based on today's reporting. Uh, we'll get into that, plus Brandon Miller at Alabama. Clay joins us next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. Hutton and Withrow, 6th and Peabody, Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Joined by Clay Travis, who joins us weekly at this time. Clay, the, any coincidence that on the day that Jalen Carter is scheduled to meet with the media in Indianapolis, that the misdemeanor uh, charges and the arrest warrant head his way from Athens? I, I mean, that doesn't feel like a coincidence, right? Um I don't know if they were hoping that 
maybe he would meet with the media and address those allegations, um, which would then be usable uh, in some way against him. Right. Um, I, I would be curious to know what their game plan was in that. But, yeah, I don't think it's coincidental. And again, the only thing I can think of, uh, you know, directly off the top of my head associated with that is given the fact that he was scheduled to talk to the media, maybe he would answer a question um, associated with that and it would then lead to a uh, it would then lead to a statement that they could use in some way. What, what do you think when you hear this story, Clay? It's, it's one that, well, you know, was surprising when I first read about it. And we discussed it earlier. It could carry a 12-month jail sentence, basically, with these two charges. But I don't see that happening. So if you're an NFL GM looking into Jalen Carter, what are the questions you have about this? How could this affect his draft st- status? Um, I mean, I think you want to know what the story is. But I always look at, you know, best case, worst case, right? And that goes for all facets if you're, if you're drafting. Um, and, uh, again, I haven't read the statutes that are in play. You're telling me, you know, the max charges that he could face based on what's going on here. Uh, it, you know, presuming that that's true, uh, I wouldn't think that it would massively impact his overall standing. Um, again, because, uh, it's not something where there's something hanging out there. That's an uncertainty, right? Remember Jameis Winston went number one overall, uh, after he had been accused of sexual assault and you knew that that lawsuit was still pending. Uh, they just gave NFL teams did the Cleveland Browns did Deshaun Watson, the most guaranteed money in the history of football and 30 different women accused him of sexual assault. So uh, based on what I have seen from these allegations so far uh, and these, uh, these charges that have been brought against him, I wouldn't think it's something, you know, this is not Henry Ruggs, right? This is not some situation where uh, potentially you're going to have a player who is unable to play for years or there's some uh, uncertainty about his availability to ever play again. So I wouldn't think. Look, will it will it knock him down? Probably several slots in the uh, in the first round. Yes, but if you loved him at five, I don't know why somebody wouldn't take him at ten or eleven. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be some sort of uh, massive change based on what I've seen so far. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Clay. Not, this is the league that did suspend Terrell Pryor for. Tattoos and selling championship yeah, rings. Yeah, now to be fair, they they seem they seem to have basically kind of stepped back from that era uh, of of extreme punishment in the NFL. Uh, doesn't mean that there's still not uh, a risk associated with it and all of those uh, all those factors. But um, I, I think the Roger Goodell who suspended Terrell Pryor recognizes that that was probably not what the NFL should be doing. Um, and it uh, doesn't mean there might not be consequences, um, but uh, but I would be surprised if they are severe in terms of NFL future based on what I've seen so far. Yeah, and, and maybe the biggest consequence is going to be the salary. Um, just looking through what's slotted, number one overall gets $41 million. If he fell to like eighth, it's $23 million in the contract guarantees. If he went to 14, it drops all the way down to $17 million. There's a big gap in money from where he was originally – put for you know draft 
mock draft purposes compared to what could happen, which we, of course, don't know how teams feel about all this. Yeah, right. And remember, I mean, this is not teams are actually, uh, I would say, more comfortable when they've got months to figure out a story uh, than, I mean, you know, the NFL is like its own reality show. But you'll remember, for instance, the Michael Orr smoking weed in a gas mask video <laughs> that came down like two hours before the NFL draft, if I remember. Yes. Um, and what usually images burned in my head makes, now. Yeah. What usually makes NFL teams. Uh, you know, leery is uncertainty and that can be uncertainty from a, you know, off the field criminal matter. It can be uncertainty from a, Hey, is this guy's knee or shoulder or something going to check out for our doctors? And it can be uncertainty, i.e. something happens right up against the NFL, like the Michael Orr situation. Um, and, uh, and, and those are things certainly that, uh, that teams are apprehensive surrounding. And then not, or, but Laramie Tunsil, uh, we were following you, but it was Laramie Tunsil with the gas mask. Michael. Oh, my bad. Yeah. My, yeah. yeah. My, my, and I know Michael or that was, a, that was a whiff, uh, whiff on my hat. Uh, a different Ole Miss, uh, yeah. Different Ole Miss offensive tackle. tackle. Yeah. So it's, it, you can, it's yeah, easy to confuse Different Ole Miss left tackle. Yeah. So Clay, um, since we last talked, Nate Oates has uh, had to apologize for a pat-down uh, intro celebration deal. Then he had to come out and further clarify it was a TSA pre-check pat-down, and it was to clear for flight and takeoff. My theory is Nate Oates is opening press conferences, falling on the sword about this and taking the blame and saying it's not going to happen again because there's really nothing he can say about Brandon Miller playing and the decision to play him throughout all this, but he can't explain the pat-down ritual before the game. What do you think about his latest statements? Um, I, I think all the blame should go, frankly, at this point, to the University of Alabama school president um, because the coach and the athletic director are really just sports guys, right? I mean, and I think they should do what's right but I understand why they want to pass the buck because the reality is they're just sports guys. And so most sports guys, I mean, look, we talk about uh, college coaches oftentimes like they're geniuses. Um, a lot of college coaches would otherwise be high school gym teachers if they weren't college coaches. So we're not always talking about the most intellectually brilliant uh, members of our generation, right? Um, and so I think them trying to reconcile and deal with the criminal justice system can be challenging. The university president of Alabama, he's the ultimate decider. I'm always, um, uh, you get paid typically based on how many people you are responsible for deciding things for as a general rule, right? The reason why a CEO makes way more money than most people at a, at a business is because ultimately every choice sits on his desk or her desk and they have to say yes or no, right? Um, and so to me, this ultimately boils down to the University of Alabama president and he is a coward and I believe a feckless buffoon for not making what should be a relatively easy decision, which is Brandon Miller shouldn't still be on the University of Alabama's team. I don't think he should still be enrolled on campus in my opinion. So, and, uh, to your point, Clay, Nate Oates was a high school basketball coach 10 years ago. 11 years he served yeah. as head coach at Romulus High School and I'm outside not trying, of Detroit. I'm not trying to 
denigrate, you know, like yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. Coaches, I'm yeah. just saying, like, there's a difference in what they have experienced in their lives than the criminal justice system, right? So Nate Oates is trying to figure out whether to run, you know, man or uh, or motion or whatever on a uh, on a you know play with 20 seconds left in a timeout. That's his skill set analyzing what is the appropriate line of misbehavior to determine when someone should be a member of his team or not uh, when it's related to a criminal justice uh, event is, I think, uh, above his pay grade in terms of his knowledge. So I don't blame him for saying like, hey, this should be the decision by the university. And if the university says he can play, I'll play him. It also allows him to pass the buck. But I think it's also the university president is supposed to have way more in his purview than what is Alabama going to be seated in the NCAA tournament this year? Because by and large, whatever happens in athletics doesn't matter in particularly basketball doesn't matter in a big way to the overall success of the university from an academic perspective. And I just come back again and again to there were 11 or 12 gunshots that were fired because Brandon Miller brought a gun to uh, this location. If three or four Alabama students had gotten hit, God forbid three or four Alabama students had died in addition to this mom, is there any way that Brandon Miller is still enrolled? I think certainly the answer is no. So, uh, you know, why are you allowing him to continue to represent the university? I just think it's an embarrassment to Alabama, I think it's an embarrassment to the SEC, and frankly, I think it's an embarrassment to college uh, college basketball. Let, let's carry that point about the SEC you just made, Clay Travis, on to what I'm going to ask you next. The SEC decided that Brandon Miller was not going to win SEC Freshman of the Week after averaging 32 points for the week and scoring 41, a career high in beating South Carolina. I don't think that's a coincidence that they didn't give him SEC Freshman of the Week. Does Greg Sankey have the power to step in? And suspend Brandon Miller if Alabama won't? I don't know. Uh, because I don't believe the SEC bylaws are public. And it's been years since I was involved in uh, looking at SEC bylaws. And I did that in uh, the case of Cam Newton, which was obviously, for people who've forgotten, a massive story back in 2010 about whether or not Cam Newton was going to be eligible to continue to play for Auburn with all the allegations that he'd been paid. Uh, that was a huge story in the 2010 college football season. And at that point in time, the SEC, to my best of my recollection, had many of their bylaws up online. I don't think that the SEC bylaws are still up. Um, and so I know as a general rule, the league office does not get involved in issues that individual institutions can determine uh, because it creates, you know, sort of the precedent of it kind of being a mess. Um, but uh, so that's my general take. I don't know the specific uh, power or limitations of that power that exists for the commissioner. But isn't it more of Sankey style to be behind the scenes in something like this, like saying, Hey, you guys should consider, doing this or that and not making it public knowledge or at the forefront of the discussion? Well, what they have avoided trying to do is creating the situation that exists in the NFL, which is where Roger Goodell is judge, jury, and executioner for much of his tenure as the NFL commissioner. 
Um, and so there isn't, to my knowledge, I mean, this is sort of the argument that people have made that there needs to be an overall national commissioner of, of college football, for instance, um, who can mandate rules across multiple conferences. But yes, I mean, the general proposition is that individual schools should make decisions. And again, I don't know what the bylaws say, but if the University of Alabama president is saying, I'm not going to undertake any suspension, Brandon Miller is eligible to play for us, and then the SEC says, we don't think that he should be, then you could potentially end up in a litigation-related issue uh, in the state of Alabama where you're arguing over who has the authority to determine whether or not someone is eligible. Now, the NCAA, we know, uh, certainly has the ability to determine whether somebody's eligible, but that doesn't extend uh, to criminal-related matters uh, to the best of my ability and knowledge. So, Clay, the University of Tennessee lost their starting quarterback with one game left in the regular season that was leading a number of statistical categories when he went down with a torn ACL. Fast forward to the very next season, men's basketball, with one game left exactly in the regular season, they lose their starting point guard, who was leading the SEC in assists, to a torn ACL. I got to guess that's probably never happened to one school in history, and when I look at this, Clay, I can't help but think this is leading towards another Rick Barnes disappointing, heartbreaking end of the season in the NCAA tournament. What do you think? Well, I didn't have a lot of faith that it wasn't going to be a heartbreaking early end of the season result for Rick Barnes anyway. Uh, because, I mean, at some point, if you've been a college basketball coach for what has Rick Barnes been, 35 years, uh, your record in March is what it is. And uh, if you never, for the most part, ever make significant runs in March, uh, I think there's probably a reason for that. Um, and, uh, and, and that is for whatever reason, Rick Barnes teams do not perform at their apex ability level in come March. Um, and so, uh, that's, I, I don't really have a lot of faith that Tennessee was going to make a run, even if, uh, Zakai Ziegler was healthy. I think it's an awful story and I feel bad for him. He's been through a lot. His family's house burned down. Uh, he's a beloved player, only five foot eight, whatever. And that's probably a little bit of an exaggeration. Um, and seems to be a really good kid that many people around the program are particularly fond of. But in general, uh, I, I don't think that there's personally going to be a massive difference in how Tennessee does in March with or without him, just based on the history of Tennessee not doing March much in March, no matter who's on the court. Clay, you're the commissioner of the Pac-12. What decision do you make to save the conference with a TV contract that makes sense because what I've seen so far the the ones that make sense aren't interested in making a bid yet well I mean that's the key right um, ultimately the way to keep conferences together is to convince people that you can give them more money or more security or more stability than what other options would present and so the challenge that he has got is uh, you've got a lot of different schools potentially with one foot out the door who are being promised uh, better offers from either the Big 12 or the Big 10. And he's got to somehow manage to corral all those schools and keep them together for purposes of maximizing television revenue. Uh, we saw the Big 12 do this before. Uh, the Big 12 has been near death multiple times um, when Nebraska and Missouri and Texas A&M and 
Colorado and all those schools decided to bolt, the Big 12 has managed to lock itself down. Now they're losing Texas and Oklahoma, and they're still staying together. Um, so they've had near-death experiences. Um, I think sometimes the best way to keep people together is when they don't have options. Um, and I think the Pac-12 schools, several of them have options that could be better. So the number one thing that the Pac-12 commissioner has to do is get a massive commitment from someone that can persuade the the 10 schools that are currently there, I guess, uh, yeah, the 10 schools that are currently there, and potentially a couple of more to come stay and join as opposed to leave for greener pastures. Clay Travis has been our guest, uh, of course, with Outkick, Clay and Buck show, and, and, and much more. Uh, and by the way, uh, great pointing out this from Davey, both Hooker and Ziggler and wear Ziggler, number five. They wear number five. I didn't, I didn't know that well. was the oh, wow. same also. That's nice. That's brutal. Yeah. Clay, maybe, thank you, man. Uh, maybe don't give anybody number five next year. Yeah. yeah. Retire it. Yeah. Yeah. See ya. Appreciate y'all. Thanks, man. Thanks, Clay. Clay Travis uh, has been our guest. Uh, hit us up on social at Outkick360. Uh, coming up, we'll, we'll wrap up the show. We've got a discussion on uh, the, the Frisbee dog last night that, I mean, this is perfect analogy perfect for Louisville basketball. description and visual for Louisville basketball. That's next in Outkick360. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. It's been a fun show today. Uh, Golden State Warriors getting back Steph Curry soon. He's missed, what, nine games, a month's worth of time, returning to the practice, and as long as the one-on-one practice and then the team practices go well in his return, he will be cleared to play for Golden State. Andre Godala has also had his fair share of injuries as of late. He yeah. joined uh, Club Shea Shea. Uh, with Shannon Sharp, and was asked about his first impression of Steph Curry. When Steph and them got knocked out of the playoff at the play in Memphis, mm-hmm. he said we had some injuries. Mm-hmm. He said, but y'all better get us now because y'all don't want to see us next year. Mm-hmm. He foretold of what was to come. Yes, and I think my first. It's funny because my first uh, when I signed with the Warriors, 2013, and uh, you do the press conference, you say what you're supposed to say. PC, I'm coming here to try to win a championship. Right. Nobody take you serious. Right. But I'm saying to myself, I think I've, I've met the, the closest thing to Jesus Christ. Not to put that on him. Right. But I've never seen an individual like he, he he doesn't stray away from who he is in terms of who he is as a person. So you know what you're getting night in, night out. And I can see it. And so I'm thinking I'm about to go try to win a championship. And 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 then we win a couple. And then he comes out and he says, "Y'all better get us now because we're coming back." I think y'all need to start taking Steph more serious when right. he's talking, because y'all just so used to him being the baby face killer, this nice kid. Right. You know, uh, his, right. his faith is very strong. Uh huh. Uh-huh. He that faith is strong. That means he got that faith is real. Yeah. So what, what he's saying, he really believing. Thus far, it's all come true. That's Andre Godala with Shannon Sharp. Chad, we get an email with different stories that we want in the show, and I have no idea where this came from and why this is all of a sudden controversial with that answer. Well, I don't know that it's controversial at all. Um, And I'm listening to when you hear the whole answer in context, I'm hearing it. I'm thinking when he says, you know, I feel like I've met Jesus Christ. I I think I'm kind of trying to interpret someone else's mind here. So I don't know that I'm doing it well. But he's saying that, like, this guy's so good. He's just a good guy. He seems completely pure in everything he does. He's the same person every single day, day in, day out. He says, I don't put that on him also. 
But then he goes on to say, but everybody sees him as this baby-faced, you know, killer guy, all this. And then in the locker room, he's like, they better watch out. We're going to win another one. He says, we better take this guy seriously. I guess I say all that to say, no one calls Michael Jordan Jesus Christ, <laughs> right? Like from just a lifestyle standpoint and the way he goes about his business. So he's always been seen as the killer and the assassin. Oh, yes. So it sounded to me like Iguodala saying... Steph Curry became that. I don't find anything at all controversial about anything that he said yeah. and what he's saying. I don't think that you know he's saying. There are plenty of things to complain about with the Warriors. This is not one of them. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's literally saying that. You know, Steph Curry is going to die on a cross for everyone's sins. Yeah. When he's saying that, he's saying right. that's how pure this guy was. I feel like I'm dealing the with Jesus Christ Himself when talking with him. Yeah, but agreed. And luckily, we just played the audio instead of a six-second soundbite uh, from that. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Um, Chad, great visual description of Louisville basketball. Frisbee dogs. It's perfect. Look, it's perfect halftime. They're booked across the country, and you know the, it's, a, it's an act that pleases the hundreds that were in attendance at the at Louisville uh, in the recent home game. but <laughs> The hundreds and hundreds yes. of Louisville Cardinal fans. But as the dogs bringing the Frisbee back, um, instead of bringing uh, you know another trip to the table, it start it stops and takes a huge slam on the court, and that is uh, that's exactly how you describe Louisville. Was this senior night also for them, or do they have a game at home this weekend? I, I don't know their schedule. Davey will find it for us and let us know. But I was thinking last night watching some <laughs> different senior nights from around, thinking, well, this pretty much sums up your senior year. If you're a senior at Louisville, I don't even know if they have seniors. That's uh, how bad that team's been. I have not yeah. paid much attention at all. And now the question becomes is, you know, Kenny Payne's tenure as head coach at Louisville going to be a one-and-done, uh, you know, dog taking a dump on the court type career as a head coach at uh, Louisville? That now is the biggest question. Yeah, I mean, Louisville fans have to determine, do they want Coach Beard or more of this moving forward? I mean, look, Louisville <laughs> – Louisville, I will make light of this. Yeah, Louisville stood behind Rick Pitino as long as they could. I mean, you're right. That guy won a national title, and he got him to Final Fours, and he is a winning good basketball coach. That program was regularly supplying hookers to recruiting parties. Okay, this was like the system at Louisville, and they stood behind Rick Pitino forever. I do not believe Louisville will have much of an issue hiring Chris Beard. I really don't. That's, By the way, that you was can take that night. as a knock on Louisville. What I, someone's going to hire Chris Beard eventually. May not be this season, but eventually they're going to ask enough questions. They're going to feel like he served time or whatever, and he's going to get hired. Louisville's a great guess as to who may do that. It makes it and makes what sense. a great landing spot yeah. for Chris Beard to have what happened with with what he did. I know. And what happened there at Texas to go from your alma mater, Texas, to Louisville, who is a great historical basketball program, not bad at all for him. It was senior night, by the way. They're, they're at Virginia on Saturday. Perfect way to cap off of the Louisville Cardinal season with a dog coming out to defecate on the court. <laughs> Deadline for the franchise tag in the NFL is next Tuesday, uh, the 7th. The Baltimore Ravens, Eric DaCosta speaking with the media, saying that they are hopeful, that they, they're optimistic that they can get something long-term worked out with Lamar Jackson prior to that deadline. 
that they have talked, both sides have talked, and they're trying to hammer out a contract. He would not go into any details about whether or not Jackson was still mandating that he gets the fully guaranteed contract or not. But if you're him, why would you give it at this point in negotiations? If it's not going to be much more than what you turned down in August of last year. Really curious to see where this goes. And if, if this ends up with Lamar Jackson anywhere but Baltimore, however they get this done, is going to be a surprise. It'll also be quite exciting for the league if yeah. that's the direction this thing takes. Atlanta, you mentioned earlier this week, Hutton, as a possibility. If he ends up anywhere but as a Raven this year, that's going to be something to behold. Quote from DaCosta, We met recently. We both understand the urgency of the situation. There's been good dialogue, good discussion. I'm optimistic as I continue to be optimistic, and we'll see where it goes. It's all up to Lamar Jackson now. They can put the non-exclusive tag on him, and another team can match that offer and sign him, and then Baltimore will get two first-round picks in return. Or they could just give him the money the same way Cleveland gave the money to Watson. It's a saga worth watching, and it'll play out over the next seven days. See you tomorrow on Outkick 360.